this is the time that we want to thank Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Yeah, if I can't talk about the mattress, I can talk about the deal. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It really is. And it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. You know what? Uh, we don't always talk about our, uh, the products that sponsor the show off air, but Adam really does talk about Helix mattress all the time. Stop it, Adam. Sorry. Hey, it's Paula. You know what podcast I think you'll really like? Freakonomics Radio. Every week, host and best-selling author Stephen Dubner dives into the hidden side of, well, everything. He interviews CEOs, historians, and Nobel laureates to explore business, culture, news, and more. Like whether AI has a sense of humor and no. why using swear words might be more important than we think. It's very fucking important. If you like this show, and I think you do, then you're sure to love Freakonomics Radio. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. studio in North Hollywood, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, digging for dinosaurs. That's only part of the job of a paleontologist. It's really the history of life on this planet. On tonight's Career Corner, paleontologist Dr. Nate Smith excavates Paula's scientific skills to see if she could bury her career in comedy and become a paleontologist. Can she dig it? We'll find out. Plus, do Lay's poppables really brighten your world? They say they do. We'll test that hypothesis with a highly scientific experiment involving eating them. Plus, a thrilling conclusion to Ken Lezebnik's America, plus more theme songs, including one composed by the person reading this copy. And that person and me, Adam Felber, the man who tries to link the fossils of our segments into a coherent skeleton of a show. And now, please welcome the woman who is always attaching our conversational head to our topical tail, Paula Poundstone. Thank you so the band that yeah. is a fantastic i love house our band well, this, this is our returning champion uh tonight's house band is keyboardist kevin kelso kevin welcome back oh nice job oh, i Thank love you. i love me some kevin um now paula so last week i went after the show yes last week after you just the jumped show, on my segue i did I, last week after the show i went home i'm getting out of my car you know it's late at night i'm tired and i hear a cat crying and uh, I'm in front of my house, you know. So, so I, it would be a, it's kind of a frequent thing for you to be in front of your house and hear well, a cat crying. No, I'm in front of my house and I hear a cat crying. And I think, oh, my gosh, where, where's that cat coming from? Like, where could it be? And I'm looking around and I'm looking around. And finally, I, I finish undoing the key and I open the door and there's like six cats in, inside my house. And I remembered, oh, I have a lot of cats. <laughs> but I swear I was standing out there like looking in the bushes and trying to let my eyes adjust to the dark and I'm like I, 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 it could be, I, I, there's a stray cat 
And the, yeah, there's it like six, your, yeah. six cats just near, near. Yeah, well, you door. have like a total of 27 or something, right? No, I have 13, 13. cats. What was your all-time high water mark with cats? Or should uh, I say high P mark? Uh, it's 16. 16, 16 was cat. the most? Oh, man, I would... If there's any scientists out there that are working on any kind of studies of how to monetize cat urine, please, please get in touch with me. Yeah, that would that would be very helpful to you. Oh my god! I don't know yeah. that anybody's working on that. To be honest with you, it seems oh, like well, the, the most available be. substance on earth. So maybe there's something there. Yeah, yeah, there should be something. We and can so do with then it. I'm told by our crack production team that you bumped into your neighbors. I bumped, the ones I did. building I that crazy my, McMansion next there's to you. There's a house next door to me that they've been building for three years. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, we'd be, you know, for the longest time, we'd hear like, yeah, yeah, thump, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we started hearing that god-awful sound of wood and nails being pulled out. Wow. Yeah. Like I'm surprised that they're allowed to pull out the nails, because at this point, they've been building it for so long that it might have landmark status. Yeah, yeah. It's that, yeah, yeah, it has been that long. And it towers over my house, and the and the workers have, like, a great view through the, through the slats of my bathroom shade into my uh, toilet. Shade. My okay. bathroom shade. It sounded, at a mo- for a moment there, it sounded like the neighbors have a great view of my bathroom shame, and I didn't want to get oh. into what that would be. <laughs> no, my bathroom shade. bathroom shade. Like, there's no way. Okay. I stand trying to tilt the shade things. I don't know what they're, the slats. Oh, so, that, so you're you know, blind. Bring, you're blind. They're Venetian blinds. Yeah. Horizontal yeah. blinds. I don't know if they're Venetian well, what what do they sound like when they know, talk to you? I don't do background <laughs> hey, checks. Hey, Paul, your neighbors are looking in again. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm not certain that they're Venetian. Um, uh, <laughs> they're uh, yeah. Anyway, so I did bump into my neighbors, and here, so I think I've bumped into them before, but in the course of three years, like I've only seen them a couple times. I, I don't really remember what they look like anymore. They hadn't right. been around for a long, long time. Just that damn building going they on brought, for so long. They brought so you cookies long. once to sort of like semi-apologize, not apologize for building their house. For right, them. exactly. Yeah. Like to two different Christmases. They missed the second one and they hit the third one. They give me <laughs> they uh, cookies. Moved in. But this time, all right, so I'm coming up the street with my dogs from a walk and, uh, and they're like, Paula! And uh, hi, you know, trying to figure out who they are. And then I realized, okay, it's got to be the people. And they, it's the neighbors, yeah. they said, thank you so much for your patience with the house. And now, I mean, I'm right in front of them. They can see the look on my face. Which has not changed. Uh, I tr- I was, you know, <laughs> I don't like, I didn't want to out and out lie. So I didn't say, well, that's no problem. I just hung my mouth open with... <laughs> What what, what would a lack of patience look like? I, I mean, what, what, what were they thanking you for? Oh, yeah. <laughs> burning down their their construction project. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so I it was very it was an embarrassing encounter because they really hit me where I live by saying thank you for your patience because right. the truth is. I'm not patient at all. I'm sick of that stupid house. You could have referred I've, them to any one of the seven or so podcasts that you have mentioned them on with a total lack of patience. I feel confident that they'll never listen to Nobody Listens to Paul Poundstone <laughs> because, frankly, they're not cool enough. I just, I've sort of made a sport out of hating them, even yeah. though I don't know them at all. Well, their it's workers like, were on your mulch pile at one point. They ruined my mulch pile. And then they did it again today. And there's a new crew. They got rid of, apparently they were ripped off by one um, contractor. Con- contractor. And sure. so then they started with another contractor. And the new workers, uh, they like stand on top of my mulch pile. I, I I wish that they would fall in and be eaten by the worms. But so far that hasn't happened. Yeah, it's, um, it's, that's very unlikely even should they fall in. Because worms uh, take what, what scientists call a long time to eat something. 
Any yeah. worker could probably. Well, that house out is not time. zipping along. No, 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 no. But I, I would think a worker. If it would took move. that long for my workers to, or their workers to get eaten by worms, they yeah. wouldn't even notice. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, you know, it doesn't seem like James is here today. Mm. Oh, it doesn't matter. One piece of advice about the slats of your uh, possibly Venetian blinds. Yeah. Is if you can see the ground through your window, that means you've got them in the correct position that people above won't be able to see you. If I can see the ground, no, they're mm-hmm. they're they're pitched the other way. Well, then pitch them back. That's if you can see the sky, they can see you. If I can see the sky, they through, can see through me. Through your, yeah, from your uh-huh. window, yeah, in the yeah. Ba- for, for your bathroom shame. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, I, well, thank you very much for that. <laughs> thank you for that tutorial on how to work my Venetian blinds. You didn't even know what country they were from. Venetian blinds, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. It's just, it's upsetting. The whole thing is just upsetting. Yeah, well, I'm upset <laughs> on your behalf. <laughs> Every day. What's that? It's, I don't know, it's some machine they use. <laughs> they use a machine? Yeah, I wouldn't care what they were it doing It sounds like an there. obnoxious would, teenager. And for every, no matter what, no matter what portion of the building they're doing, that's the sound. They use a nyan machine. Okay, yeah. well, I'm annoyed now. Yeah, there exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, you can do that periodically during the... No, in fact, don't. Um, so here's something that might put you in a better mood. I'm, I'm looking at our, um, our our craft services table here, and there's the usual uh, bag of chocolate, the diet soda, the double stuff Oreos, and the um, healthy foods that are staples of your diet. All of them are here. But wait a including minute. The this looks new. That is something new. That's a bag of poppables. The Lay's poppables. And yeah. it says right on it, new. Yeah, we've got two of them. We've got, we've got Lay's poppables sea salt flavor. And Lay's Poppables, what's the one you're holding there? Honey honey BBQ. Ooh, that sounds like a good one. Now, their claim uh, yeah. is that, uh, what is their claim? Their claim is that uh, they brighten your world. And as you know, we, we test advertising claims on this show. Yeah. And uh, they, they don't put it on the world. bag. I don't see it on the bag. No. On the bag, it says- Meet um, the smile and stuff. There's a- <gasps> the smiling uh, people that we're supposed to meet. It says there's something about the light, texture, and- airy, crispy crunch of Lay's Poppables that makes you go, mmm. Uh-huh. Now that's... Lisa, you didn't go, mmm, you went, uh-huh. But I didn't taste it yet. Yeah, okay. Okay, but but I, I think the, the claim that we're going to test tonight is they, they, they brighten your world. That they brighten your world. So let's uh, open up that bag. I'll open up the sea salt, although I, I say the honey barbecue looks just... On the face of it, prima facie. That, that, uh, yeah, that's it sounds terrible, actually. The, the winner. Honey, here honey we go. Bar- no, so honey- here, I'm going to try a sea salt one, and you're going to try a honey barbecue, and then we'll swap. Okay. All right. So there's they are airy, which means very that there's a, a section of air in they the middle. They look like waffle cut giant checks is what they look like. Okay. This one didn't brighten my world. Okay, this one t- tastes okay. Okay. I don't think you can expect the brightness to happen right away. No, I want to, just for comparison. Is it supposed to be like the flick of a switch brightening your world? Uh, well, it could be a, a slow dimmer switch. Mm. Oh. Wow, the honey barbecue is definitely more flavorful. Wow. See, now that's interesting because mm. I prefer this one. All right, so let's keep these respective bags. Right. Now, you're a Doritos devotee, and for comparison purposes, do not, Doritos brighten your world? Um, Doritos never claimed to brighten my world. Right, that's that not what was, they're there for. That was the genius of Doritos. Okay, so... I think Doritos' original claim was um, eat them. Mm-hmm. And gotta, eventually the bag will be empty. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, even, even, even in their advertising heyday when Jay Leno was hawking them, their claim was simply crunch all you want, we'll make more. Yeah. And that turned out to be absolutely true. Right. They're still making those suckers. Yeah. Um, 
But this brighten your world thing, I gotta yeah. say. Do you feel your world is brightening? No, I feel my belly kind of coagulating. Is, you know, is what I feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll keep trying to see if they brighten our world throughout the course of the show. Um, now, um, Paula, each week you. Well, I'm still chewing. All right, I'll chew too. Because you know what this makes? Good listening. Yeah. All right, there we go. Okay. Now, you treat us to a new vocabulary word I do. every week. I do. I have a new vocabulary word. We're Hold moving on. the show along briskly tonight, by we the way. We are. Uh, yeah. uh, Adam, my, my vocabulary word for this week is uh, exiguous. Exiguous. It, it's an adjective, mm-hmm. Captain Crinkle, that means scanty, diminutive, uh, meager. Uh, scanty, diminutive, and meager. Yes. Could you uh, use that in a I sentence? I will use it in a, a sentence oh. for you, Adam. Oh, look, my... everybody. It's Mrs. Culpepper. <laughs> our, Mrs. Culpepper. Our denuded sock puppet. I would be happy to uh, use the word for you in a sentence. Uh, before we get to that, Mrs. Culpepper, as long as you've dropped by, how's the captain? Oh, uh, Captain Crinkle? Oh, Cap- Captain Culpepper. Captain Culpepper, yeah. I thought you meant Captain Crinkle. No, I understand. They served together. They, d- they <laughs> served until, together. Until she gave away his position during battle. <laughs> She was a liability <laughs> on the battlefield. I would think so. Um, uh, uh, here is an exiguous in a sentence. All right. Uh, I, I was given quite an exiguous portion of poppables. You mean you weren't given a big portion? Mrs. I was Culpepper. given none, actually. Well, because because <laughs> to as be I said, accurate, and my my world is dark. Well, here 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 you go. Let's let's oh, you, oh. You, uh, wow, come on, Mrs. Oh. Culpepper, see if you can crunch that. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I feel my world brightening. Well, so at least it works on hand puppets. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. have a brighter world. Yeah, well, that's... Earlier, I had a rather bleak outlook, but now I, I feel brighter. Well, you've got that. Now you've had a more than exiguous portion, right? Yes, thank you. Uh, I, I never would have known how to pronounce that. That's a, and, and, and Ms. Culpepper. Exiguous. Exiguous, thank exiguous, you. Exiguous, Adam Felba. <laughs> you did dodge my question about how the, uh, how the uh, captain's doing. Uh, Captain, uh, uh, Captain Culpepper is deceased, you know. Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten. I hate to bring up that painful reality yet again. How did he die again? Uh, uh, frankly, I've forgotten. Uh. I'll give you a clue. It was, uh, poisoning from cheese. It was tox, tox. (laughs) It was triotoxism. That's right! <laughs> I just wanted to see if week to week Mrs. That's Culpepper right. could remember the cause of her husband's it death. It was a trial toxism, which is poisoning by cheese or other dairy products. Was it a particular cheese? It was the gouda that got him, Adam. <laughs> I swear, every damn time you're on the show, I'm going to work you to that catchphrase, Mrs. Culpepper. It was the Even gouda if it does that break- got him. <laughs> Even if I can't break. believe you brought up such a tragic incident. I hate I hate to bring up painful memories, but hearing it was the Gouda that got him is really what I'm here for. Captain Culpepper was an honorable man. I'm uh, sure he was. He was an a, a che- and a man. cheese aficionado as well. Well, uh, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Uh, coming up, paleontologist George Gaylord Simpson wrote, "Quote." Life is George mo- Gaylord Simpson. Yeah. Oh, did you know well, him? That's quite a name, oh. George Gaylord Simpson. He I sounds be- like one of your neighbors down I south. I believe he was a neighborhood. We've enjoyed more than one barbecue together, George Gaylord Simpson and I. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that, uh, Mrs. Uh, Culpepper. Yeah. Well, he, uh, in addition to attending barbecues, um, 
uh, at your house, he wrote, life is the most important thing about the world. The most important thing about life is evolution. Thus, by consciously seeking what is most meaningful, I moved from poetry to mineralogy to paleontology to evolution. So He's my, a very deep man. I'm sure. He must be <laughs> super George entertaining. George Simpson was a very deep man. Was. as he passed away? No, not yet. Uh, uh, stay away from the cheese, Mr. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> So the question is, uh, and Ms. Culpepper, maybe you can answer this, can Paula Poundstone move from comedy to paleontology? Oh, I would hope so. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> Plus the final installment of Ken Lezebnik's America. And more theme songs, including one by yours truly, Adam Felber. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is brought to you in part by Arm & Hammer Cloud Control Cat Litter. You know what I love? What? I love my cats. I love it when my cat, Theo, stands her ground against the pod puppy Mo. Oh, yeah. But it's hard cleaning up their litter box, to be entirely honest. And, you know, it's not just one litter box. Uh, yeah, it's several. I've seen, it's, I've seen that foyer. It's 13 cats. I, I look out across a sea of sand, very much like Lawrence of Arabia, <laughs> which is why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. No oh. cloud of nasties here. Oh, good. It's 100% dust-free, mm -hmm. free of heavy perfumes, and helps reduce airborne dander from scooping, uh, which is a part of what harmed Mr. Culpepper. <laughs> so what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. Well, that's just wonderful. So that stuff is reducing the dust. Yeah. And helping you see that you actually do have cats beneath all that dust. Yes, it's, yeah. it's brightening my world. In a way that Lay's poppables apparently never could. No. <laughs> Haven't so far. New cloud control cat litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Or more power to you. More less powder to you. More power to you. You know, Arm & Hammer, if you're out there, think about this. Less powder to you. More power to you. Arm & Hammer, you had it right the first time. Hey, everybody. As longtime listeners know, when Helix Mattresses first started sponsoring our show, Bonnie Burns somehow got the drop on me and made off with the first mattress. But in the intervening years, I have gotten myself a Helix mattress. I've had it for almost a year now, and it has improved my sleep. It has improved my life. I could not be happier. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, which I have, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, which is a mattress designed just for big and tall sleepers, and they even have mattresses made just for kids. Now, if you're like me and you were a little nervous about trying it online or like Paula, who was screaming in fear of buying a mattress online, don't be. The Helix Sleep Quiz takes into account your individual sleep preference to match you and your partner with the perfect mattress. I took the quiz and I ended up with the great mattress for a side sleeper, the Helix Midnight Lux. Take my word for it, everybody. The Helix Midnight Lux. Oh, don't want to take Adam's word for it. I don't blame you. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and... Two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula and use the code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. 
Paula. Paula, I invited you over, but you fell asleep. Helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. In today's world, we insure a lot from cars and homes to cell phones and even travel plans. But what about insurance for your cat or dog? With ASPCA Pet Health Insurance, you can focus on the care your pet deserves and cover what matters most. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are. Because vet bills can really add up especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. Every Saturday, former Obama speechwriter and current gay chaos agent John Lovett is joined live on stage by a killer lineup of comics, journalists, politicians, and celebrities who may or may not know why they're there to break down the biggest and dumbest stories in politics and culture, also to rank NFL mascots on the Kinsey scale. And now, because there's too much news for just one show, join John and friends every Tuesday for a rundown of the latest headlines to help get you through another flawless week in our perfect society. Listen to episodes of Love It or Leave It wherever you get your podcasts or catch the funniest moments on the Love It or Leave It YouTube channel. The Cat of the Week is Lego from Surrey, Maine. We're back. Paula, uh, how are you feeling this week about your job as a comedian? Greatest job in the world. It sure is. Moving on then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? You know, Adam, uh, the blue in your shirt is uh, its uh, brighter. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Do you think that might have to do here? Have another poppable. Maybe it's these honey BBQ Lay's poppables. Well, now we passed those um, around during the during the uh, break that we just took, and a lot of people um, liked some of them. Bonnie Burns is a fan of the uh, honey BBQ one. No, I don't. I don't. Wait, Bonnie. Wait, she didn't like that one. Bonnie, come he's here. He's, speaking of Captain Crinkle, you're inviting her to the microphone. That's. I, I, it's like inviting a fucking vampire into your house, Paula. Here She's, I am with Paula. I didn't like them at all. You didn't like either one? If it was diet food, I'd eat them. But okay. without it being diet food, I didn't, I didn't, I'd rather have Doritos or regular potato chips. Okay. Okay, there you have it. Well, I'm glad we did that segment. Thank you, Bonnie <laughs> Burns. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And now you're crinkling. Just sit down. Captain Crinkle's laugh was not brightened at all. <laughs> She's Anybody? gone back to her dark corner. <laughs> 
with no brightening at all from the Lay's Poppables, which have which have made an improbable claim. They have made an improbable claim. Anybody around the studio feel like their life brightened a little bit with those uh, Lay's Poppables? No, this is a dungeon in here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's an airless dungeon, Mrs. Culpepper. Very, very depressing. Anyway, Adam, Ms. Bob I Culpepper, is Paula in there? Okay, yes. I, I have the greatest job in the entire world. <laughs> yes. I consider myself a proud member of the endorphin industry. The part of my job that I do not like is the self-promotion. Yes, I've heard that. Having to say, next week I'm going to be at the blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I think to myself, what if I could dig up fossils for a living? Yeah. Do I have the skills to be... A paleontologist? Well, Ball of Poundstone, to answer that question, welcome to Career Corner. <gasps> yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a paleontologist. <laughs> Now, here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of paleontology, we've got Dr. Nate Smith. Now, Dr. Smith is the associate curator, Dinosaur Institute, the Natural History Museum, Los Angeles County. Did I say that right? I think you got it, more or less. All right. He earned his PhD in evolutionary biology from the University of Chicago. Paleontological fieldwork has taken Nate to Antarctica, Argentina, and China, and the American Southwest. His research focuses on the evolution and Biogeography of Triassic, Jurassic Dinosaurs, and Cenozoic Water Birds. So let's have, this is my old job. Let's have a big career corner welcome for Dr. Nate Smith. <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Kevin Kelso. Dr. Smith, welcome to our show. Thanks. Glad to be here. I'm going to be honest. You are really the first person even remotely knowledgeable about Cenozoic water birds that we've had. Oh, there's more than a few around here. Yeah, but not <laughs> nobody we've had on the show. We sure haven't. And we've, we've asked a few people about Cenozoic water birds. We've for information they, about Cenozoic water birds. Yeah. That, that plum, was kind that, of a deep cut from the bio. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> <laughs> but that was one of the... It, it, does, it does seem like you yeah. were going for some really you know greatest hits with Triassic, <laughs> Jurassic dinosaurs. And then Cenozoic water birds... <laughs> Uh, what it, is, maybe right, I buried just, the lead. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just to satisfy my curiosity, what is a Cenozoic water bird? So that's a period of time after the, the dinosaurs are around, and water birds are a group of birds that includes cormorants, pelicans, penguins, all kinds of odd-looking things. Okay, but this is before they were, they'd actually become full-on pelicans. and, and Well, a lot of them were, were very pretty much, much looking that way. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Wow, I am now interested in Cenozoic water birds in a way that I never was before. We could take it has a right turn in the bird interest. world. <laughs> no, I th all right. No, let's go, let, uh, because I, I, well, I'm sure they're both related to paleontology, but uh, I think a, a glaring question that I have is how do you know where to dig? Yeah, we get that question all the time. And you do? So you're asking the right questions. Right. Your step towards being a paleontologist so far has not uh, run far afield. Yeah, and it's not as simple as just kind of like the Calvin and Hobbes go in the backyard and start digging. It I is... used to do that as a kid. <laughs> we all did. I never got anywhere, though, because I grew up outside of Chicago. So it was just oh. dirt and more dirt. Right. But uh, it's a combination kind of of scientific inference and a little bit of luck and serendipity. So you kind of start with maybe a question. So a lot of what I work on is early dinosaur evolution when they got their start in the Triassic. So that helps me narrow down 
from the whole world to just kind of one time period. Mm-hmm. Right. And then from there, I want to narrow down, okay, of, of those Triassic rocks, what are the ones that are likely to preserve fossils, right? So they've got to be sedimentary rocks. Where are the sedimentary deposits from the Triassic um, era? And when you find, uh, it, all right, so you, you're looking for these Triassic rocks, and you look for that um, not with your eyes but with uh, history? Uh, yeah, so that at that stage we're kind of still in our offices pulling out the geologic maps um, and kind of going through at a really kind of coarse level. Let me ask you something. Have you ever made a map of where you think the Triassic rocks are and you put a circle around it and then Trump takes it <laughs> and, and moves your circle? <laughs> And puts it around Alabama. Has that ever happened? Uh, that hasn't happened. And to my knowledge, there's no Triassic dinosaurs in Alabama. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, well people are that's saying there fake are. news because <laughs> yeah. I'm, hearing, are... <laughs> I'm hearing that there's a lot of Triassic dinosaurs. Yeah. People are saying there are. A lot of people. A lot of people in the administration <laughs> I'm hearing. are saying that there are. Yeah. Um, all right. Okay. I, I digressed a little bit. A um, little bit. So what level? All right. So you, you use a map. And you use some history to figure out where you think these Triassic rocks might be. And then what's the next step? Yeah, so that kind of gets you down to the right place, you know, where those rocks are exposed at the surface. Uh-huh. And then it's But uh, you have to the find them. You didn't go there yet. You're you still not, haven't gone there yet. No, so, you've made so far a plan you're still of, in your office. Here's, here's what we want to hit up. Uh-huh. And then we'll go out on our expedition. And then for those kind of expeditions, we'll do what we call prospecting which sounds a lot cooler than it is. Really, it's just hiking. It's hiking along those rocks, mm-hmm. looking at those exposed Triassic rocks to see if we can find bone weathering out. And that's where the if, luck to comes in. To see if in. you can find what? Bone weathering out. Yeah. So you're what? really walking around looking to see if there's a bone sticking out. Right. So we don't start the process by digging. We start, we start by finding bone. And usually it's um, a lot of the places we work that bone is going to show up. You're just going to find fragments or a little bit that's kind of collected in a low-lying area, like a flat spot. And but that's got to be a great moment when you're like, that's bone over there. It's extraordinarily exciting. Yeah. Wow. But most of now, the time, you're kind of let down. When uh, explorers were on long sea journeys and they would see land ahead, they'd yell, land ho! When you're marching around with other paleontologists I and don't you like see where a bone, this is going. Go, <laughs> bone ho! Is that... Do you yell bone ho? Uh, <laughs> I've never yelled bone ho in, in the field. But I, I would advise against it. <laughs> we did have a time. This, I, this I rented advised, that once and I, I was had, scarred for life. All right. So you're walking along at the Triassic Rocks, which you found w- uh, using a, a map and, and history. And now you're walking around the Triassic Rocks and you see some bones sticking out. And you yell bone ho. And then what? Well, then you got to figure out whether that's just another fragment going in, whether it's connected to an entire bone, whether that bone's connected to an entire leg or an entire animal, or it might even end up being a bone bed that we can excavate. So, and, and if it is a bone bed, then do you start constructing one of those excavation sites like we see in the movies? Exactly. With then ladders going like... down and, 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 and Sherpas <laughs> escorting you and all that stuff. Sherpas, not so much. A little <laughs> local <but> Antarctic Sherpas. <laughs> yeah, the penguins we sometimes can bring in to help. Okay, they're not they're not good as beasts of burden though. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, no, they're quite small. Well, here on Miranda Avenue, sometimes when I get out of my car, I will kick a bone with my foot, and I realize <laughs> it's a chicken bone. Someone has eaten part of their KFC and then just dropped it there <laughs> on the ground. Now, how do you know? Even though you're among the Triassic rocks, isn't it possible that someone discarded their KFC there? How do you know for sure that those are dinosaur bones? Yeah, you're the- allowed to say if a question is dumb, by the way. 
Well, no, actually, Paul is describing discovering dinosaur bones because those are what those are sitting in the, the curb on the street. No, they're not dinosaur bones. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the old birds or dinosaur yeah. theory? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a you good knew one. that Boy, I was going to hit you guys over there with that one. That way there, you never feel you failed. <laughs> as, as long as we're there, then. Did dinosaurs have feathers? Yeah, absolutely. We know for sure that there are a bunch of dinosaurs that had feathers, and we know for certain now that feathers must have evolved for something instead of flight initially, and were later co-opted for flight. So what were they there for? Originally decoration. They were there for decoration. A lot of dinosaurs wore boas. Tell them. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Uh, So... (laughs) I might science that up and say that it's a, a display feature. Uh-huh. Um, they also could have been useful for thermoregulation for some um, of these smaller animals. Thermoregulation. Also, also like a boa. That has yeah. been recently discovered is the, good t- man, the T-Rex negligee. The T-Rex feathered negligee. Yeah. Yeah, it was very popular among the T-Rexes. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Over yeah. here. Over here. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, your T-Rex sounded a lot like a Jurassic <laughs> Mrs. Culpepper right there. Yeah. No. Oh, no. That's a different sound altogether. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Adam Filmer, I would not I would not be caught dead nor buried in a negligee. <laughs> No, 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 no. Captain would, Culpepper would not stand for it. No, not of, not of course he wouldn't. No. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Culpepper. So um, what do you usually find? Just like a couple of bones? Or do you uh, have you found a like gigantic, complete, intact dinosaurs ready for reanimation? Yeah, all of the above. Um, most of the time you're, you're finding scraps and it doesn't turn into anything, you know, but rarely you'll get articulated bones, articulated skeletons. What does that mean, articulated? So that's just the old uh, leg bone connected to the knee bone. Connected so to the one that's bone. all connected up. Exactly. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So it just so what happened to it? It was just walking along, and well, it died, and then something bad happened to it. And then to get into the fossil something record, bad something happened to it. I else like how you're so careful <laughs> the way you tell the story, so not to frighten the children. <laughs> <laughs> so Perhaps so, well, some of them, I'm sure, something very terrible happened to yeah, something <laughs> bad happened. Could to have been it. murder. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, that's why we need more forensic archaeologists out there. <laughs> oh, just one more question, Mrs. Velociraptor. CSI <laughs> Dino. Um, all right, so you sometimes find the whole thing still all together? Yeah, so kind of complete skeletons like that are a lot more rare, but we yeah. come across them occasionally. Have you personally? Uh, a few, yeah. 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 Where Where was that at? Um, so we found some in our site in Ghost Ranch. In your what? In, uh, we have a dig site in Ghost Ranch, New Mexico. Oh, Ghost wow. Ranch. What'd you find yeah. there at Ghost Ranch? We've got late Triassic mm. dinosaurs. These are kind of dinosaurs when they got their start, and some of the, the dinosaur cousins that are telling us a lot about the evolution of dinosaurs. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is a famous site. It's about an hour north of Santa Fe. This is where George O'Keefe used to paint, but people have been doing paleontology out there for over 100 years. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Do you... Uh, well, two things. Um, do you relate at all to Yukon Cornelius... Wow, you went Yukon Cornelius on him. Yeah. Okay. From uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, uh, <laughs> I had to, I had to search the back of my memory for that yeah, one a little you knew, bit. You knew you knew him, but you just didn't. I know would from say a, I like his pep. He was a um, he, <laughs> he had a nice pack. Uh, a, he was not a paleontologist. He no, was, he but was he was a prospector. A, but he was a, he did excavate. He was in search of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, all right. Okay, fine. So what digging do you man, actually do? <laughs> so do you see like a bone and then you take off your backpack and you've got a shovel strapped to it and you start? Uh, 
Sometimes, yeah, when we're prospecting, we'll start with tools there. If we need more, we'll now bring more in. Now, you keep saying we. Do you personally take a shovel and begin to dig, or is that only if there's a photographer there doing <laughs> the brochures for the program? No, that's when I get the big pickaxe and the bandana. Oh, and I see. Oh, and yeah. you really look the part. But Oil yeah, we do. Stuff, we, yeah. we pride ourselves on, on kind of doing the whole process. Uh -huh. Actual digging. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, we're, what we're getting at here is we're trying to figure out if Paula could do any of this. I think she could dig. Oh, I can dig. Yeah. Um, um, but I'd imagine there's a certain amount of schooling involved, some book learning she'd have to do. It helps, but um, some of the field aspects of it, we could get you trained up pretty quick. There we go. Oh, wow. I love that. All right. So, so uh, how long would it take for her to be useful to you on a dig? Oh, I could to have To the point her... where you'd be paying her. Oh, to the point where I'd be paying her? I yes, think because I'm think, guessing there's a lot of unpaid interns there. I was going to say, I think you've screwed up on some of your research on yeah, paleontologists, uh, <laughs> particularly the salary yeah. part. I think the, the salary sounds... Uh, uh, exiguous. It, it, it's... it's <laughs> exiguous. Yes, yeah. Um The salary sounds commensurate with that of a podcaster. <laughs> and you've got a podcast. I do. I have a podcast. My Four God, says if Kevin I Kelso. were to have a podcast about paleontology... Yeah. That would be like the double whammy. Yeah. <laughs> you could earn twice as much nothing as you're earning now. Yeah, exactly. Easily. Um, all right. So what skills are required? What are the number one uh, what are the number one highly rated characteristics of a paleontologist? Yeah, I'd say if we're talking kind of not just the dig stuff, but in, in general as a scientist, um, kind of a curiosity and attention to detail, taking detailed notes. I noticed you got all the notebooks there, so you got that covered. I'm not saying she's taking detailed notes, but, but <laughs> When she talked about drawing a circle earlier, she drew a circle. I did. That counts. That counts. Yeah. Um, but on the scientist side, too, uh, paleontology is a really interdisciplinary science. So it helps to kind of have an interest in a lot of different sciences, be a little bit of a jack of all trades. You can uh -huh. kind of dabble in chemistry, geology, anatomy, and oh. evolution. Um, I often tell students it's a it's a great field to get into for that very reason, that if you if you are interested in rocks or isotopes or animals and anatomy like there's going to be a place for you in paleontology yeah you know it, it, it's much like that quote uh that i read earlier from mrs culpepper's uh friend uh who, what was his name mrs culpepper paleontologist george gaylord simpson is he as mrs culpepper said still alive uh he is no longer with us okay <laughs> Well, I could have sworn I saw him. I don't know. It could be, he could be Tupac and us. Uh, I don't know. Recent barbecue uh, where we, uh, in the future, we'll serve the poppables. Um, uh, speaking of poppables, by the way, uh, Dr. Smith, we uh, we had you try some of these poppables. Did they um, did they illuminate your life? I'm not sure the poppables would pass peer review. Okay. Uh, do you think uh, <laughs> That's fair. on the next trip, are they going to... We go, have, go with you, maybe a bag of poppables to brighten your world there in the dusty uh, depths of. Your, I don't know if your, the poppables would make it. We do bin? have a lot of a lot of Doritos and the the Tostitos hint of lime and the. Oh, uh, that's a good one. I like and that really terrible oily cheese. Those are popular. Yeah, and yeah. those are all from the same parent company, the the fine people at the Frito Lay's Corporation. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know what happened is that um, Mr. Lay's. Uh, 12-year-old wanted a chance to make a snack food. <laughs> you think this was like his little yeah. make-a-wish moment? Yeah. The poppables? Uh, yeah. And, and what, said, what, what are we going to call said, him? He said, well, Lester, Poppable. I'd rather you didn't. He said, no, let me, let me, let me. And finally, let Lester make a snack. And he came up with these poppables. Here they are. They're on the market. Yeah. Um, and, and sea salt flavored. We were talking about that during the break. And um, I mentioned that just a few weeks ago, um, 
Neil deGrasse Tyson, in response to somebody talking about sea salt, said, well, technically, all salt is sea salt. He said this on Twitter. And somebody else who wanted to actually outdo him said, no, some, some salt comes from ancient lakes that were saline, but not the sea. Now, you have an opinion on this, or you want to issue well, a ruling. Well, not an opinion. I'm not going to get into a Twitter war <laughs> with Neil. <laughs> oh, I but no, him. But he's, you're he's absolutely so right that, yeah, we do have salt deposits that come from, from freshwater lakes. Um, and that's where we get uh, things like gypsum. Okay, great. So You know how they get a saltwater lake to begin with? Is, you, you know, somebody, there's a lake, mm-hmm. and then the fish um, get some potato chips. And they, okay. And the... And the potato chip has, is where Residue the salt on the comes fish. from, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's almost certainly not true. I'm not even going to ask Dr. Smith on that one. <laughs> You're he's afraid. Been, he's You're been, afraid. He's You're provides... afraid of the truth. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fish eating potato chips, is that the cause of salinity in lakes? You know, I doubt it, and I think we wouldn't. <laughs> we probably wouldn't pick up uh, records of the chips in the fossil record if we were No, so we probably Maybe would we not. just don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, they dissolve. Um, <laughs> I want to thank you, though, for trying to use your science on it. Um, what else does Paula need to know? I mean, if she's really, truly... Where do you stay? Do you pack in? Do you backpack in and stay uh, under the stars and stuff? Yeah, it runs the gamut. In Antarctica, we actually have to kind of fly in and build a whole remote camp, and we have tents and everything where we're camping, you know, on the glacier. Um, where we work domestically, we often also drive in and we'll set up tent camps and things like that. You're spending you a long been... time with a small group of people. Yeah, you need to have people that you get along with. Yeah. Okay, maybe people can tell interesting stories. That always helps. Yeah. Have you ever, when you were on your way to Antarctica, had to stop in Scotland and refuel at that little airport there? You know, and then stay at the Trump Resort in Scotland? Have you ever had to do that? No, and to my knowledge, he doesn't have one yet in Christchurch, New Zealand, so oh, hopefully yeah. I never yeah, will. Well, tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> 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 I have one more thing that I'd like to ask, which is um, everybody is always using the dinosaurs as an example of how no species is, is immune from being wiped out. Um, do the dinosaurs and their end have anything to teach us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, these kind of changes that happen in the the environment that affected the dinosaurs, you know, similar things are going on today. And we can prepare for those or at least understand them better by putting together a knowledge of the past that comes from disciplines like paleontology. You know, one thing we might do for any future species that may evolve is is when we die, hold a little flag over our head that will go up through the dirt. So that they can dig us up. Right. So they can know where we are. Instead of all this traipsing around, that, using that the maps, super looking for the Jurassic, <laughs> the, the, the Triassic rocks. I feel like not only have we done that, we've done that better than you just suggested. <laughs> oh, you mean with what? With, with the gravestones? Yeah, with gravestones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like those are A, more yeah. durable than yeah. flags. Yeah, you might be right about and, that. And, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one's or not. just a little, or just a little, you know, like a little thing that, woohoo, over here, woohoo. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing uh, maybe that we could learn from the dinosaurs is don't wear feathers. Because that could have been what did them in. So a boa could. What did them in? Well, it was a number of things. Poor planning. Poor planning for one. Well, the feathers actually might have come in handy because uh, the one group that makes it across unscathed are, are modern birds, right, that go on to radiate. So we're still kind of living in an age of dinosaurs. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they did live. Uh, one group of dinosaurs did survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So modern birds are dinosaurs in the same way that bats are really weird mammals. Right? Uh-huh. 
I hadn't really thought about bats being mammals, but you're right. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, well, they are. Yeah. They're fuzzy. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Smith, for helping us discover if Paula could evolve into a different geologic period of her career. <laughs> now, Paula, based on that, what have you learned about being a paleontologist and could you do the job? House band Kevin Kelso, if I could have some background music for what I've learned about being a paleontologist. <laughs> well, Adam, some of the characteristics of a paleontologist are curiosity, and I'm forever saying, what the fuck? They have an interest in all sorts of sciences, and I can't stop watching Breaking Bad. They sometimes camp out, and I sleep on the floor. You have to get along with others. I've worked with Captain Crinkle for 26 years. Most importantly, I've been sifting litter boxes for 30 years. <laughs> Poop ho! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Paula, based on that, where are you going to be appearing next? On October 12th, I'm going to be in Burlington, Vermont at the Flynn Center for the Performing Arts. And I'll be in Jamestown, New York on October 19th at the Reg Lena Center for the Arts. You can find all my tour dates at paulapoundstone.com. Am I the Jerk is a show where we talk about real stories like my stepdad found out that I have a $4 million inheritance and tried to steal it from me when my mom died. Am I the Jerk for how far I took my revenge? Or you might even see a story like this. My mother-in-law photoshopped my wedding photos to change my nose. Am I the Jerk for what I did in response? So Am I the Jerk is the perfect show to put on in the background while you're driving, studying, drawing, or just chilling out. And the best part is you can send in your own stories from your own life to be featured and discuss on the show. Just subscribe to Am I the Jerk and you'll see how to do that there via amithejerk.com slash submit. You can freely share the deepest secrets of your life because you can still remain anonymous when you send in your stories. So either way, subscribe to Am I the Jerk right now before you forget. We'd love to be a part of your daily routine. New episodes every day. Am I the Jerk. Hi folks, let me see if I can sum up Midnight Burger in about 25 seconds. Really big monster! Zero irony! Pardon me, Gloria. Might my husband and I have a word? The radio is talking to me. So this is how it ends. Eaten by wolves in space. There's a pocket dimension in the deep freeze. This is the stupidest dystopia we've ever been to. What the hell is that? Because you're having a cigarette? In 415 million BC? Where are we? Space? Can you narrow that down? The bad part? Ava. Yeah, that didn't work at all. At the nexus of all things, there is a diner. Look for Midnight Burger on your favorite podcasting app or just go to weopenat6.com. The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar, and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events, such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. Urgh. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. 
I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating, and my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven yep. science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Nate Smith is Associate Curator, Dinosaur Institute at the Natural History Museum, Los Angeles County. Thank you so much for being on our show, Nate. Thank you, Nate. And Kevin Kelso, thank you for the Barney theme, I think, uh, for some Flintstones, for Jurassic. <laughs> we, thank you so much, Kevin Kelso. Coming up. Theme songs, including one by house band Kevin Kelso and one by a guy named Adam Felber. Plus, the crazy road trip that has been Ken Lezebnik's America reaches its thrilling and emotionally satisfying conclusion. It's coming up right after this. According to climate scientists, we have 10 years and 15 weeks until the Earth begins to become uninhabitable. wants to tell you what you can do when you break a bone. She wants to tell you the difference between a muffin and a scone. She wants to tell you that it's all right and nobody's all alone. But there's nothing she can do. She just can't break through because nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. <laughs> and we're back. Now, uh, wow. that was, uh, <laughs> you know, that was beautiful. You know, I think the very end of that was an homage to Akuna Matata. Was it? Uh, or or, that song, or, or if, from Lion King when they're crying about their friend who went away, maybe. We were, we're, there was definitely some crying going on yeah, in, in my yeah. backyard that night. That yeah, was uh, that was my beautiful. offering to the theme song contest. Well, thank you, Adam. That was, it was beautiful. Actually, the, my backup band is my, my neighborhood dad band. That was uh, Paul Brandano and Adam Korn. I just wanted to... To credit them Oh, you don't have that. to tell me that was Paul uh, Oh, yeah, I know. You recognize that. Adam Corn. Were yeah, you kidding? Fantastic. Yeah. All right, so you've heard my entry. But, yeah. um, you know, everybody out there is welcome to continue to submit uh, possible theme songs. And you could do that over at uh, uh, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. Just send in your MP3s or MP4s or MP7s if you have them. Um, but also, the main reason I'm bringing it up is we have one of our nobody's favorites right here to play his theme song. Our house band, Kevin Kelso, wrote one that is in a, in a mortal entry. We've heard it more than once on this show. And Kevin, would you mind favoring us and doing your theme song live for us here in studio? All right, live, live in concert. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, though she's got plenty to say. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, but she keeps talking anyway. And it's true. Giving free advice, and it's pretty good. But you won't listen, though you probably should, because it's 
well researched as anyone could see And did I happen to mention it's totally free But nobody listens to Paula Poundstone That's the name of the show Nobody listens to Adam Felber either As far as we know If a podcast drops and no one hears it fall Did it ever really happen at all? We both tried to harmonize it. Thank you very much. That man is a genius. Is he not? Thank you. It even appealed to Mrs. Culpepper, whose taste in music usually doesn't go much beyond the 1930s. But uh, Mrs. Culpepper. Oh, I've discovered something here today. Uh, that was brilliant. Thank you, Kevin Kelso. It was. You're welcome, uh, Mrs. Culpepper. <laughs> Only the captain was here to hear that so, that brilliant song. But he's not here, is he, Mrs. Culpepper? Uh, thank you for bringing that up again, Adam Felber. <laughs> I, I forgot again. What was the manner of his passing? Triotoxism, Adam Felber. Oh, that's somewhat dairy-related, isn't it? Uh, it is uh, poisoning by cheese or other dairy products. You don't say. Well, Mrs. Culpepper, what particular kind of dairy product or cheese? It was the Gouda that got him, Adam. <laughs> yeah. Adam, Adam repeatedly bringing up the death of my dearly departed husband uh, would be considered a solecism. A solecism? Oh, that's a that's a social faux pas. You've committed a solecism. I do apologize, Mrs. Culpepper. I shall see that it does not happen again. Um, now, moving on to uh, other continuing business of our show, our ongoing love-hate relationship with Frontier Communications has some new developments, sort of. Oh, yeah. I got to say, Tony Anita Hull is handling this brilliantly. Somehow the carnivore has been brought out in, in Tony Anita Hall when it comes oh, to fantastic. dealing with... She's fantastic. Yeah. She's fantastic. That's a recap. I mean, we're we're in this have, contest where you submitted an essay. And I, su I submitted a winning essay. I heard it. We read it on this program. All of our listeners agree. It was the winning essay. And yet, um, Javier Mendoza from uh, Frontier Communications wrote back and... Talked about making you possibly an honorary winner, so you'd get a yeah. swag bag full of right. 90 CDs and a no thousand dollar check. Right. And by the way, listeners, for uh, it, it, most of you know this already, but for the listener who's dragging their feet, um, <laughs> this was uh, this was an essay about why I or or any of the participants should. Um, Let's see. We were we would agree to not use a smartphone for a week. Instead, use right, a Frontier Communications flip to phone. Say. Not use a smartphone, but to use a flip phone from Frontier Communications for a week. And uh, and so I wrote an essay. My dog. Is, Your dog has just decided to become an, a paleontologist. My dog is excavating. <laughs> she is. She's trying to dig through the floor. That's, which okay. is a, so that an, happened. An adorable trait that she has. Yeah, it's really, really endearing. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, uh, consider me endeared yeah, to my her. Pod puppy, that is a solecism when you do that. <laughs> uh, she's trying to impress the professor. Yes. Uh, 
She wants to be on the next she, dig. She, she found a raptor skull. Yeah. She's sure it's underneath the uh, the studio. All right, so, oh, for Christ's sakes. I think she's taking lessons from Captain Crinkle well, is I, what it is. She was, she was, I, I have expect Bonnie to get down there and start digging with her. She's like, that yeah. makes some noise. Keep going, keep going. There's Surely there's a chicken bone beneath this. You know, they're dinosaurs. Um, all right, so... I wrote an essay on why I should be the person to uh, receive $1,000 from Frontier Communications yes. as well as a swag bag of things like uh, CDs from uh, of 90s music. Uh, what else was in the swag bag? I forgot. I believe a T-shirt. It was a T-shirt. Uh, it, was, it was bullshit. I mean, we I, wanted well, the know, $1,000. I want the $1,000. Not only do I want the $1,000, I've committed the $1,000. I, I, if you had heard my essay, you would see why I've already spent that $1,000. Yeah, yeah, because there was, there was no way you could lose, and yet you There's did. There's no bank in the country that would condemn me. No, for that kind for, of fraud. For, yes. for what I've done. It's not fraud. No. It was, it's, it was such money in the bank. It was already. just of na- it was money in Deutsche Bank. That's how solid it was. I, it, it was very solid. I want to say that your dog, <laughs> your dog is trying to steal the Captain Crinkle throne right now. Right. She found a squeaky toy, or at least yeah. I hope that's what she found. Yeah, um, no, it's she found a live dinosaur, a baby dinosaur, and that's the last. <laughs> it's making well, pleas to stay alive. Well, the but extinction my, is now complete. My, uh, yeah, yeah, my. So it's my. Uh, <laughs> All right, take that toy away from her. You know, it's keeping her from chewing. But don't give the, it to Bonnie. The microphone wires. Yeah. Um, there you go. Eat that Trump doll. Okay. There you go. All right. So, so, so to move on, uh, we, we got bumped down the chain of command from Javier Mendoza to uh, somebody named Karen Quatch. Karen Quatch. Yeah, yeah. There's been a recent development on that. Yeah. But I'll get to that in just a second. So I was going to hire a lawyer to handle this for yeah. me. But instead we've got Tony Anita Hull. And she has been like a goddamn uh, hammerhead shark on this issue. Oh, yeah. Issue. She's just been yeah. coming straight so out of So she wrote to do a follow-up. She wrote a follow-up email to Karen Quatch. And she said, I'm just writing in uh, to, to check on this swag bag the and s- the check. Yes, the status of the bag and the check. <laughs> Now, um, I'm, I was told uh, that, that just today, um, uh, Tony got a reply from from uh, Karen Quatch, which actually uh, taught us something. Not only did we get bumped down the chain of communications, we got bumped to an entirely different company. Turns out Karen Quetch doesn't even work for Frontier Communications. No, she works for a company that works for Frontier Communications. It's like So she says. Yeah. So you got we got sent it's down the hall. It's going to turn out we've been hacked by Karen Quetch. <laughs> that she has nothing to do with it at all. She's just enjoying going back and forth with us. Well, well now she says she's going to go back and forth with Javier as well to find out about the status of our check, so yeah. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that by next week we'll have a we'll have a check in our hand. Uh, I'm fairly certain it's going to be presented to us. They're, they're going to make one of the big ones. How yeah. they do? Yes. And they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna, come they're, right here to Miranda Street and hand it over to us. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How excited <laughs> we'll be. Yeah, it'll be a good time for yeah. everybody. I'm already I'm already practicing looking surprised yeah, when I they am, come to too. the door. So Tony, stay Moi? on that, will you? Tony said oh, she'll stay on she's it. She's unbelievable. Now, she's done a fantastic job. She really has. Surely she's, you know what? Trump's probably going to hire her um, because he hires a new lawyer every day. That's Right, but she'll he be does. fired the next week, so she'll be right back with us. He has a list of things to do every morning. Hire a new lawyer. Every it, single morning. And every hire evening, a new lawyer. fire a lawyer. Yeah. No, no. He's just acquiring more and more oh, of yeah? them to keep them out of the resistance. <laughs> Now, Paula, I'm making this next introduction with a with a very heavy heart because 
Over the summer, we uh, tracked the unlikely adventures of a nuclear American family as they traversed America in a station wagon. And I don't have to tell you that I am referring to Ken Lezebnik, his fictional wife, Janice, and their fictional children, Timmy, whose gastric distress was portrayed brilliantly, if I say so myself. And, of course, Nervous Nelly, the angst-ridden smallest passenger in the car, portrayed with heartbreaking vulnerability by Tony Anita Hull. It was a happening on the show. But tonight marks the thrilling conclusion of their adventures. Oh. oh. Yeah. So, may I say for one more time, the last time, let's start the road trip we call... Ken Lezebnik's America. (laughs) The road has beckoned us back. The strip of asphalt rolls out like a black ribbon. We pass through the land. Oh, American cornfields under a blue September sky, guide us home. Our little family unit tucks safely inside the station wagon. Oh, Jesus Christ! Who died and made you Walt Whitman, Dad? Okay, okay, so sue me. I'm feeling poetic. The aches and pains and stench of our long road trip have been healed. Hold on, not quite. As I was saying, we're 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 we're, we're trying to. Oh my God! Oh my God! We're trying to uh, head west. Oh, thank you. We're headed west again. <laughs> West again, toward the city by the bay, you know, San Francisco, home to the historic North Theater on New Year's Eve, actually. It's going to be I'm going to stop you right there. We're taking a left at the coast. We're headed south to Malibu. Malibu? Yeah, pull over right here. What, here in the middle of a California cornfield? Oh, I get it. You wanted to stop at Vacaville on the way home. Well, we're a little late to see iconic American humorist Paula Poundstone. Can it, Ken? See that man over there? The the tall guy on a bicycle? He has something to say to you. Why, that's noted American actor and environmental standard bearer Ed Bagley Jr. Hi, Ken. Janice. Timmy. Nervous Nelly. Daddy, don't let him anxiety shame me. Sorry, your mother said that was a term of family affection. Oh, it is. Others include Numnut Nelly, Nerdy Nelly, Nincompoop Nelly. Shut a- your pie hole, Timmy. Another heaping serving of family affection. Ed, I'm, I'm honored that you rode your bicycle approximately 150 miles out of Los Angeles to meet us, but, but why? You have a problem, Ken. Janice called and I wanted to be here for you. I believe in you. Well, thanks. I, I have no idea why. Have, have we met before? Janice told me your story, how your family drove to Ogonquit, Maine, and then on to Clayton, New York, and then on to Nashville, then an incredibly arduous journey to Los Angeles. We ran over a costume Batman character. You were pursued by Robin to Lake Placid. These are trips of thousands of miles, relentlessly driving hour after hour. And why, Ken? Why? Well, there, there was an iconic American comedian I kept trying to see. Ken, face facts. You're addicted to Paula Poundstone. Your actions have affected your own health and the health of your family. Time to face up to your Poundstone addiction. I have. You're a Poundstone addict? Yes. Something I confront every day. But I've been clean now for 18 months. You can be free of this paralyzing addiction, too. Come with me to a treatment center that specializes in Poundstone. Half-Baked Promises Malibu. You, you, you got me wrong, Ed. I, I'm not really an addict. Just, just a fan. Oh, yeah. That's what Lily said, too. Lily? Lily Tomlin. She's been through Half-Baked Promises and came out on the other side. Bill Irwin's gone public about his Poundstone problem, which was very helpful. Dick Van Dyke is in treatment right now. It's never too late to start living your authentic life. Janice, kids, it it hasn't been that bad, has it? It's been a fucking shit show! Daddy, all summer I've been trapped in this car and it's been awful! 
Daddy! I've been splattered with vomit and doused with the wretched fumes of Timmy's flatulence, and then I had to descend down a well to rescue Timmy, and I'm only eight years old. And I really want to play with my sequin unicorn activity kit, and instead we're on an endless road trip to see Paula Poundstone, and it just never ends. It never ends. What will it end? It ends here. It it ends now. It it ends with my vow to you, Nellie. And and you, Janice, and I suppose to a lesser extent you, Timmy, that I am done. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Pops. I, I'm done. Uh, I'll go with you, Ed Bagley Jr., and acknowledge my helplessness in the face of Poundstone. Not 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 not, not so much her face, it's her voice. With that utterly charming hint of vocal fry. What's wrong with my vocal fry? Oh, oh, absolutely nothing, Janice. You, you, you're right. I, I need to fall back in love with your vocal fry, your slightly dry and flyaway hair, your dappled complexion, and, and I will. Ed Bagley Jr., I am ready to make this journey with you. Good. Hop in the back of my bicycle. It's just 150 miles. <laughs> okay. Uh, slightly uncomfortable, but I'll, I'll make the sacrifice for you, Janice. I'll, I'll be thinking of you... Me too. I'll, I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places. It's, it's our song, Janice. We had a song? Don't, don't you remember? I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places that this heart of mine embraces all day through. In Ogonquit, Maine, in sunny days and in the rain, in Hyannis, Mass, every time Timmy passes gas. I'll be seeing you in Nashville, Clayton, and L.A. I'll always think of you that way. I'll find you in a wishing well. And when the night falls in Malibu, I'll be looking at the moon. But I'll be seeing you. Half-Baked Promises also has an effective vocal coat. So you have that to look forward to. Oh, okay then. Well, well, this is it. Goodbye, kids. Bye, Timmy. Bye. Bye. Bye, Nelly. Bye. Janice, you're, you're my one and only. I'll, I'll be seeing you. Okay. Uh, kids, get in the fucking car. Roof, roof. And get that fucking dog in here, too. And as Ken and Ed Begley Jr. begin their long bicycle ride to Malibu, we draw the curtains closed on Ken Lezebnik's America. Brought to you this week by Half-Baked Promises Malibu. When you need to free yourself from the addiction to Paula Poundstone, start your treatment half-baked. Half-Baked Promises Malibu, overlooking the Malibu Seafood Cafe on the PCH. See the ocean, smell the fish, and experience a new Poundstone-free lifestyle. Well, it seems as though Ken Lezebnik has settled into Malibu and his family will return home. And if you have not yet recovered from your Poundstone addiction and have a theme song entry, short description of our show, you may email us at nobodylistenstopallapoundstone at gmail.com. You could win a bar of hotel soap. That's a fresh bar of hotel soap, It's a fresh autograph bar of hotel soap, Paula. And unlike Frontier Communications, uh, you can be assured that you won't... Uh, fall into the honorary category, you no. will simply receive your fresh bar of hotel soap. And if it happens to accidentally show up postage due, uh, uh, Scott Franciscus. Franciscus, our benefactor, our yeah. generous benefactor, will will pay that. Will pay that uh, uh, postage. Scott Franciscus, if you're listening, do you want a dog? 
Hey, hey. He's taking. <laughs> the pod puppy has been so inspired by our paleontologist that she's insisting on digging through the uh, laminated floor yeah. of the um Of the, stu- of the studio, studio here on Miranda Street. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Scott Franciscus, to recap, is not our benefactor. He's he the guy who we accidentally sent a bar of hotel soap to postage due, and he paid it because he wanted he, the prize. He paid it, and then since then... He has provided uh, uh, transportation uh, costs he has and, and hotel expenses he for all of our guests. Not, not Nate, a, I hope you're a, staying in a really nice place tonight. <laughs> and and again, thank you, Scott Franciscus. Nate, Nate's staying all the way out in Long Beach. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. he lives there. Now, <laughs> thank you again, Scott Franciscus. Really, you only had to pay for one night, but... Scott Franciscus apparently bought our paleontologist guest uh, a house in Long Beach. That is so above and beyond. Thank you, Scott Franciscus. We'll be back right after this. (laughs) (laughs) On this day in unremarkable history, Woody Guthrie said... Actually, if you're coming from the Redwood Forest, just before you get to the Gulf Stream waters, there's a section that's just mine. Hey, if you like your podcast to be focused and well-researched and your podcast host to be uncharismatic, unhorny strangers who have no interest in horses, then this is not the podcast for you. Yeah, and what's your deal? (laughs) I'm Emily. I'm Lisa. Our show's called Baby Geniuses. And its hosts are horny adult idiots. We discover weird Wikipedia pages every episode. We discuss institutional misogyny. We ask each other the dumbest questions and our listeners won't stop sending us pictures of their butts. We haven't asked them to stop, but they also aren't stopping. Join us on Baby Geniuses every other week on MaximumFun.org. Folks, welcome to Dungeons and Randomness. Since 2012, myself and an amazing cast of 18 have been telling stories in our homebrew world of Theria. Four different groups explore lost ruins, run for political office, rage against a mad king, set sail to long forgotten islands, and so much more. Every group has a different story and flavor. And every season, or arc, has a new set of groups and stories, all building the history of our world with every single session. Literally hundreds of hours of stories are waiting for you as part of the Pickaxe Network. Check out Dungeons & Randomness wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you around the table. Okay, what do all these funny people have in common? Cecily Strong, Jason Manzukis, Duncan Trussell, Paul Shear, Scott Ackerman, Beth Stelling, Tom Papa, Lauren Lapkus, Louis Anderson, Lisa Gilroy, Paul F. Tompkins, and Sir Patrick Stewart. They've all played characters on the hit comedy podcast, Mega, an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional megachurch. The next time you're in the mood for some laughs, great guests, out-of-this-world improv and cultural commentary, we're here for you, baby. Listen to Mega anywhere you listen to podcasts. 
I'm Travis McElroy. I'm Courtney Enlow. I'm Brent Black, and we're the hosts of Trends Like These. Trends Like These is an internet news show where we take the stories trending on social media and go beyond the headlines. We'll give you the actual facts of the story and not just the knee-jerk reactions. Plus, we end every episode with a ray of hope that we call the Wi-Fi of the week. So join us every Friday on Maximum Fun. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Trends Like These. Real-life friends talking internet trends. was nice. That's great. Uh, Kevin Kelso, you're just killing it tonight. Okay. Uh, you know, that reminds me of something. What's that? <laughs> Although all signs point to that I'll probably never be a paleontologist. Oh, yeah. This is a pretty goddamn great job. With the exception of the fact that it actually costs me money to make this podcast, it's the greatest job in the world. Here's the turd in the pool, though. Ooh. We can only keep making the podcast if our listenership increases. We need listeners to spread the word. Oh, I see. So you're just jumping into this segment unbidden. Yes. Okay. Many listeners, though, don't feel comfortable sharing with their friends and loved ones that they are nobody listens to Paula Poundstone listeners. Not true. So I've written some simple, sample dialogue to break that conversational logjam. Which doesn't exist. It, it, it does, Adam. People feel uncomfortable discussing in this, and that's why I've created this simple sample dialogue. All uh, right. Try this. Okay. Listener, what are you doing with that fitted sheet? Listener's friend, I'm trying to fold it. Here, pinch these two sides together. Listener, no, let me show you. Start by gathering these elastic parts together. Listener's friend, okay. Listener, wait, where are you? I'm between the folds. Listener, put your left hand in the flap you've made by folding and wrap the quadruple layers of sheet around your right elbow. Listener's friend, wait, now where are you? Listener, I'm under the part that's dragging on the floor. Now fold the whole thing in half. Ow, not yet, I'm in here. This is implausible. Listener's friend. How did you learn how to do this? Listener. Well, I've never known how to tell you this before, but I listen to the comedy podcast Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Listener's friend. Didn't I read where she had made a ton of money from the Frontier (laughs) Communications essay contest? Listener. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Listener's friend. So nobody listens to Paula Poundstone taught you how to fold a fitted sheet? Listener, no, no one knows how to fold a fitted sheet. It's the only place where a robot replacing a human worker makes any sense at all. I just thought I was going to suffocate inside this sheet, and I wanted someone to know how much happiness nobody listens to Paula Poundston has brought me before I expire. By the way, in case I do die, please keep encouraging Paula to remind the people of the world that saving the Earth is urgent, whether Randall Woods' kids can handle it or not. (laughs) Listener's friend. I don't think I can get you out of there. Listener. I don't think so either. And then we slowly fade to black. Yeah, unless you have a poppable and then things get brighter. Yeah, but I, I guess... By the what way, I, I want the listeners to know, Adam Felber a few minutes ago asked us if we could turn the lights down, which is proof positive that, that the Poppables brightened his world. I think 
I think Tony Anita Hall brightened our world by turning up the lights, and I asked her to turn them down because you no, like it no, very bright. No, no, it was too bright for you because the poppables, see, that's their claim, Adam. Well, they say like they, they turned me into a vampire or something. No, they brightened oh. your world. <laughs> That's a slogan. <laughs> Poppables it didn't will say turn anything. you into a vampire. It didn't say anything about whether they taste good or not or how they are good for your nutrition or your digestive system. It no. simply said they brighten your world. And I think we've proved that they do. I think you're right. And look, I, I hadn't noticed that this was on the Poppables bag before, but um, it says, warning, may cause photosensitivity. <laughs> photosensitivity? Yeah, it's a sensitivity to light. No. Yeah, right here on the bag. That can't possibly right be. Right after purified stevia leaf extract. Adam Felby, you're making that up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you found me out again, Mrs. Culpepper. Um, going back to your simple You don't deceive uh, Mrs. Culpepper. It's not the right thing to do. It's another solecism that you've committed oh, here this evening. Please pardon that egregious boner on my part, Mrs. Culpepper. <laughs> Bone ho! <laughs> <laughs> so I want to go back to your simple sample dialogue for just yes, a second. Yes, Because now not only are you recommending that people recommend our podcast, but you're yes. recommending in this simple sample dialogue that they do so with their dying breath. Well, if they must. <laughs> But why must they? <laughs> you know, every cloud has a silver lining. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I, I want to say that the way you've constructed this dialogue, yes. we're not getting any new listeners out of it because it seems like the other person, the listener's friend, is also succumbing to asphyxiation in that fitted sheet. In fact, you, you wrote at the very end there, listener's friend, I don't think I can get you out of there. And it was a very muffled voice. I don't think the listener's friend makes it either. So this is we, a loose framework. It is a not scenario every- in which we lose a listener and a potential listener. <laughs> Rather than gaining which, them. Which is why it's so important that listeners spread the word. That's right. Nobody lives because forever, listeners. They're dropping <laughs> like flies. <laughs> All right, then. All right, Paula, it was uh, it was great to have Arm & Hammer Cloud Control Cat Litter supporting our show this week. And it's, it's a special thing to me and you. I, I want to thank them so much for doing so. You know, my, I'm sure I've told you this before, that my eye doctor gave me some um, face masks yeah. for when I uh, sift Litter boxes. Right. And now I don't need it because I have the So now the you have extra face masks that you can sell. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. If people right. would like an autographed face mask. Um, can they uh, have that in lieu of a hotel soap? Uh, well, they could. And Scott Franciscus is happy to pay the shipping. He's not. He is, <laughs> no, Adam. he isn't. He's our benefactor. You know, he, he pops up on our Facebook page from time to time that I advise everybody to, to go visit. Yeah. And um, he's never mentioned anything about paying for any stuff. He's, you know what, he's very self-effacing. He's not a guy who waves his own flag. Do you know what I mean? He does it behind the scenes and quietly. And I want to thank you, Scott. Yeah, he's doing it very quietly and, yeah. and, and on the cheap because he's not paying any extra money. All right, nobody, <laughs> nobody's yes. remember that our email address is nobodylistentopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> All right, nobody's remember that... It's just chaos here tonight. It's complete chaos. Dog-assisted chaos. It's like Captain Crinkle got an intern. It's like, like, look, I'm not getting any younger. I can't be generating all the noise on this podcast. God damn it, Pod Pup. Mo, no. 
Bulldog's a good dog for like a, a like a, a, a a helper dog for a deaf person. Yes, yes, well, you'll, you'll always know where your dog noises. is. All right, let's 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 get All back right, to this. I'm ready. All right. And you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find my remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with the uh, uh, self-portrait on the left breast, breast and, and a memorable, memorable quote, quote on, on the, the back, back at polypoundstone.com. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a chaotic show we had tonight. I loved oh, every bit so of it. So much fun. But your dog uh, apparently is now in the employ of Captain Crinkle. And we've just... She is uh, very influenced by Captain Crinkle. And now, what's our, what's our final verdict on poppables? Yeah. Uh, some people say yuck. <laughs> there's, there's, um, there's a couple of people. Cap- Captain Crinkle Captain said Crinkle yuck. Captain Crinkle just gave a definitive yuck. I thought they were edible, yeah. but not yeah. necessarily uh, illuminating. Uh, Anyone around studio? I didn't think think they tasted good, but very clearly they did brighten your world, and I think we have to give them that. All right, all right, and then then that's our that's our final verdict, and that's our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lazemnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Technical direction by Ray Horseman and mixing by Anthony Alfaro. Special thanks once again to tonight's house band, Kevin Kelso. Yeah, and thanks to our guest. Dr. Nate Smith. Very nice. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me. For your special Paula Poundstone discount, use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? You know, they do make non squeaky dog toys. Do they? Yes, they do. What fun would that be? For me, a lot. She she likes a nice squeaker. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.